This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. And with me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Joe Peterson. How's it going tonight, Joe? Pretty good. How are you? I'm good, good. Getting getting by. <laughs> did you have a good Father's Day yesterday? I did, yeah. It was the day after Father's Day today as we record this. And, yeah? Um, yeah, it was uh, pretty low-key. We... Um, we're told that we were supposed to get very bad storms here, and some uh, some places not too far from where I live got incredibly bad storms last night, but we didn't really get much of anything, and the uh, weather forecast told us, like, oh, like, the whole afternoon's gonna be crap, you know, you're gonna thunder, scattered thunderstorms, and, you know, and then some severe, and we got, like, nothing. So, anyway, we didn't plan a whole lot, because we uh, thought that was going to be happening, and, uh, but yeah, no, it was good, it was just a... Uh, just kind of hung around home. We did go in the morning to the local, one of the local farmer's markets and walked around and stood in line for 20 minutes so my kids could get balloon animals. So that was a great use of our time. <laughs> but, but you know, you do those things. Yep. That's yep. It. Yeah. Father's Day. It's it's very funny. And I, I'm, I'm totally probably going to get called up by somebody for this, but like Mother's Day and Father's Day are, are very different. Mother's Day, it's like, the whole theme seems to be like, let's give mom a day off. Let's just give her what she wants and we'll follow her lead. And that's, I totally agree. That's cool. Father's Day, it's just like, let's pick what we want dad to grill and what we want him to do. It's like, this is every day. <laughs> but that's yeah. okay too. You know, if, yeah, yeah, we, we did, we did get the rain, but I tried to grill out anyway. And, um, we just kind of hung around too. It was kind of gloomy. We couldn't really go anywhere, so we just kind of hung around, and it was. Uh, but it was nice, though. It was relaxing. It was relaxing. Yeah. There was yeah, no, same nowhere here. to really go. So, yep, we had a good time, and uh, I ended up doing some some cooking too. Corey did offer to cook uh, for me, but I uh, I said no. We're gonna do. I was gonna do. Uh, we did uh, carne asada, like steak, and made tacos, and um, yeah, it was good, but. So I did that. So I just I didn't even end up getting you know cooked for on Father's Day. I did all of that myself yep, too. Yep. Same here. Which fun. is which is fine though because I enjoy it and you know mm-hmm. as long as everybody's yeah, I, happy, nobody's like running around screaming, and we we watched the dogs chase each other around, and that was that was the high entertainment of the evening. It's, it's like yeah, those things some... are pretty nice and relaxing. <laughs> got some like real Father's Day gifts this year. Like I got a new hammer. And some sawhorses, so I felt like I was doing it right in that category. Nice, 
but like yeah it's like out of a fucking book so, yeah it's <laughs> great right no and then i ended so, the evening watching uh yeah the movie that we're gonna be talking about tonight yeah and now we take a quick break to let you know about some other excellent podcasts that you should check out hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the doctor who target book club podcast the only podcast to discuss in story order all the doctor who novelizations my name is tony whip and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including... Dalton Hughes. And... Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels. I would like to invite you to take a trip across all of time and space. Join us in the police box as we discuss the worlds of Doctor Who in a completely random order. We discuss it all. TV stories, audio adventures, novels, nonfiction books, and on and on. I'm your host, Eric Branson. I would be very happy if you'd join me for the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a proud partner of the Video Junkyard podcast and can be found on most major podcast platforms including SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and Spotify. Video Junkyard Podcast. Yeah, uh, this was... Um... The movie we're talking about tonight was also a gift from my wife, so um, she was actually the person that put this on the list originally, like... Oh, really? Maybe wow. even a year ago, but yeah, it ended up on my picks list for quite a while. Um, it's one that... And I forgot to kind of like give her the 20 questions of, why did you pick Scanners? But it's one she came up with uh, because she had remembered seeing it and liking it and wanted to watch it again kind of thing, and... Uh, um, yeah, so we, we actually sat down and watched this one together, which we don't always do with uh, the podcast movies, because sometimes she's not all that interested in what we're watching. But um, yeah, this one we did uh, sit down and watch together. And, and I did just say the title of the movie, but then again, we always joke around about keep the fact that we try to keep it a secret since you clicked on this episode to you know what we're talking about. Exactly. And that is the 1981 David Cronenberg film Scanners. All of you in this room, one at a time. I must remind you that the scanning experience is usually a painful one, sometimes resulting in nosebleeds, earaches, stomach cramps, nausea, sometimes other symptoms of a similar nature. At this point, I'd like to call for volunteers. Fine. Just uh, sit right here, please. I'd like you to think of something specific. Do I have to close my eyes? It doesn't matter. All right, yes, I have something. Yes. 
mind force. Scanners, their thoughts can kill. Scanners uh, stars Stephen Lack, Jennifer O'Neill, Michael Ironside, Patrick McGowan. So, um, good, pretty good cast, especially the latter two I mentioned of actors that I appreciate. And uh, yeah, this is a this is a classic in in many regards. Um, let me get you a quick synopsis before we really dive into talking about it. This is from the back of the uh, DVD box and. Um, Welcome to the world of Scanners, a race of humans with telekinetic powers that can wreak havoc beyond your most dreaded nightmare. Writer-director David Cronenberg brings the terror closer than ever before. He brings it right into your mind. Cronenberg is a modern-day horror master whose name fits in easily with the likes of King, Craven, and Carpenter, and Scanners with the spectacular and shockingly realistic special effects as a startling masterpiece of the genre. When a rogue scanner of unparalleled power wages a bloody war against the normals, youth empath Cameron Vale is recruited to track him down. But Vale is inexperienced, and a battle with another scanner could mean a grisly death or worse. Can Vale vanquish his insanely violent, power-mad adversary? Only one thing is certain. Scanners delivers the chills down your spine, heart in your throat. You can't watch, but you daren't leave goods. Yeah. Anyway. I, 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 one thing that's always that was a synopsis that was not a synopsis, but yeah. One thing that's always <laughs> struck me about this film is how much Stephen Lack, who plays Cameron Vale, looks like David Enge from yes. Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> because yeah, my do. God, I have I constantly kept getting them confused. Like that's the guy from Dawn of the Dead, or that's the guy from Scanners, and no, it's not. They just really look, look alike. A lot alike. Um, yeah, I think the entire first time I saw this film. Um, I thought that was the same actor, but <laughs> and nothing against Stephen Lack. Well, I guess it is, but uh, David M is a much better actor. <laughs> yes, much better. Yeah, um, yeah. That's yeah, one of the like... things about this one is that some of the some of the performances aren't tip top, but yeah. Um, and I think most of it's just Stephen Lack, honestly. But yeah, I think pretty much everybody else is okay, at, at least okay in it. But and, and we're just gonna uh, let so... that. We're not. We're not gonna go for that pun. <laughs> yeah i'm gonna leave it there you guys all it. already made it in your yeah, head <laughs> yeah Stephen lack and there was something about his performance anyway yeah. um but yeah uh, uh, and this of course with iron michael ironside in this which was one uh, of his yeah. earlier roles i mean yeah and, and in my opinion still one of his best i think but mm-hmm. i mean this movie's uh, essentially x-men with just psychic abilities it's like if all the x-men were essentially gene gray and professor x yeah, yeah, it's a lot like the like telekinetic characters or yeah, yeah from well any any kind of comic book stuff. But when um when did you first see this one? Is this a fairly recent one or did you grow up with this or? I would say fairly recent. Like I think I saw this one in my twenties. Um, you know, I think I saw it either in college or, or you know grad school age kind of a thing, like in my twenties. Um, but it. I was probably on a Cronenberg kick and <laughs> had to track it yeah, down and yeah. along with shivers and everything else. But this is one that I do have on, on DVD. It is one that I own. Um, though it is available on a number of different streaming services right now. Uh, but this one is, uh, yeah, it was one that definitely stood out over the years. I haven't watched it too much. So I don't remember, I didn't remember it quite as well as some mm-hmm. other films that we review when I watched it last night, but it, it came back pretty pretty quick. 
especially yeah. Michael Ironside's performance. And and really, anytime they're scanning each other, that was. Well, I'll talk more about that later. But what about you? Yeah. Um. Same, really. I think across the board, same. Like I saw it sometime in college. Um. I think I was yeah just on a kick of Cronenberg, and I think maybe right around the time um, History of Violence came out, and um, so I was kind of walking walking through his like. Uh, filmography Mm -hmm. and you know this was one that i always knew by name like you know scanners is kind of a big name in the genre and um i had never seen it so yeah i tracked down a copy i think i picked up a copy on dvd i've owned it twice because i own it again on dvd i found it in a used store not too long ago and picked it up again and uh so yeah it is one that is in my collection i think this might have been the first time i watched this copy of it but um Mm. Yeah, so it was one I discovered, you know, more recently, probably in my 20s as well. So I, I think yeah. my first introduction to even the film itself was actually from the movie Wayne's World. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when there's a brief reference to when, when uh, Dana Carvey as, as Garth Algar is having like a panic attack. Some of the other guys, you ever see that scene in Scanners where the guy's head explodes and it shows yeah. <laughs> Garth kind of freaking out? Um, so I knew... The first time I saw it, I knew that was going <laughs> to pop up probably at some point. And uh, yeah, yeah, it does not disappoint. It does not. And That's it's actually like... early in the film. It's kind of like what everybody's most memorable scene of this yeah. movie is. And it you know happens relatively early in the film. Um, for As of funny stories of like being the first thing you were aware of, that was probably Wayne's World is maybe the first place I heard of Scanners as well. But there was also the great... Uh, Jim Carrey sketch on Saturday Night Live uh, yes. a while back with the yeah the methamphetamine weight loss program ride the yeah. snake. Anyway, if you know it, you know it, and if you don't, you probably don't care. But yeah, that was <laughs> the scan me moment of that with the just the way he the way he does his like scanner twitchy thing. Um, it's it's like a perfect emulation of like everyone in this movie when they're having like you know a scanner moment, but. Yeah, you know, this is I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up now. I know it's, it's when we do talk about stuff like this, it's usually towards the end. But if this were to be remade today, um, you know, I think when they're showing people are in the process of of using their psychic ability, their scan when they're scanning, um, it 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 wouldn't hurt in like a, maybe an updated version to have some kind of nifty little visual effect to show that like. I don't yeah. know, like Aquaman's wah-wah-wah thing out of his forehead when he's talking to fish. Um, mm-hmm. Something like that. Because in this movie, one of the things that you notice pretty early on is when people scan each other, they just kind of have real cringy looks on their faces kind of, yeah. and they, they grunt and stare really hard. It's it's kind of... start like twitching almost like... I don't want to say seizure-esque, but almost seizure-esque, I guess. Like, Kind of yeah. like the jacking off. Yeah, you know, it's. L- I'll just throw it out there. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, kinda is, a little bit. You know? yeah. Like, if you were to be looking around the room and you saw somebody staring at you and doing these actions, that that that's within <laughs> the realm of possibilities of things you'd think they're doing. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's... I mean, it, it, but you get the point. If you can put that off I... to the side, like, okay, they're scanning, though. They're not being weird. They're scanning. Then it's yeah, I do think jungle. a visual cue of some sort or some other. I mean, there's a sound effect here. Yeah, uh, they do use a sound effect, like a ringing, almost like a ringing in your ears type uh, sound effect. But yeah, that's one of the things that I found a little 
I don't know, less than perfect about the movie is that, uh, yeah, some of the scanning, well, you mentioned some of the acting in general, but the scanning stuff is really like, like trying to sell it physically when maybe there could have been a different way to do it. But uh, Well, and a lot of it comes into the performances because one of the things that makes Michael Ironside so great in this is his scanner face. Yeah. <laughs> it's this really, oh God, it's hard to explain. It's hard to describe. It's like, it, it looks like he's slightly aroused. It's, I'm going to, it's weird, you know? I, uh, I think if, you know, and it's many people probably listening to this show are aware of Michael Ironside's other work and, and maybe have seen this movie as well. Like if you know, if you know Michael Ironside, it's not too hard to picture what he's doing with this, but <laughs> Yeah, um, it, yeah. It, it, it's, uh, it, those those scenes got a little uncomfortable at times, <laughs> but that's all right. Yeah. You know, honestly, though, the, the plot itself is is really quite good. The story is really quite good. This I whole think it's got an espionage type thing to it. Yeah, I do think it's got an interesting story. Um, Supposedly based on two different scripts that David Cronenberg wrote and meant and had, had it intended on pitching to Roger Corman, uh, who he was working with on his prior film, The Brood, mm. and ended up for some reason getting in with the Canadian government, uh, some kind of a film grant program called the Capital Cost Allowance, something. It was funded through, okay, yeah, funded through tax money. Um, so it drastically cut down on the budget that and i don't know with corman if they would have had a you know a bigger budget necessarily but they they were only allowed you know a capped budget of some sort uh and i guess the preceding um shoot and production of this film was just a total nightmare uh david cronenberg still says that this is his least favorite film to make uh not that it's his least favorite film per se but like it was just not an enjoyable shoot um he was supposedly still working on the script the movie was rushed into production uh, literally was finishing writing scenes prior to shooting them the following morning. <laughs> and uh, so I, I think it's interesting that it does end up working, at least for the most part, when you go back and then... And when I go back and read the story about how it's made, I can kind of see that. But now I'm not sure if that's just because now I'm aware of that. I, I don't think I got that impression the first time. but um, Because the, it does feel like it might be a little patchworked together uh, narrative-wise. Um, it's got a really interesting concept. I think we'll, we'll talk a little bit as we go on about does it play out and deliver on all of its, uh, potential. But yeah, I really like the whole, um, you know, secret group of, of psychics living amongst us that can, you know, literally blow up your head with their, you know, right. telekinesis. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's got a cool kind of, like you said, an espionage tinge to it. It's... It keeps getting lumped in, including like on the spine of my um, DVD that I have. It says that it's a horror film, and like I'm not sure I've ever really bought that this is a horror movie. This is a sci-fi movie with some violent special effects, um, and it's also like you said, I, I think an espionage movie as well. Uh, so, yeah, I wouldn't call it horror. There's it, it has Cronenberg's classic, and this kind of kickstarted the body horror imagery that he's known mm -hmm. for now um he's incredibly graphic in some scenes in some films uh you know we, we've discussed the fly on the show very early on in the podcast and 
Yep. Yeah. That's kind of classic body horror, but everything from existence, I would even say history of violence. There's elements of body horror. Um, you know, oh, yeah. Naked yeah. Lunch, of course, is full of it. And this is another one, but this is the one that really kind of started out where you do see some gore, but it's it's treated in a almost over-the-top, in a cartoonish yet realistic way. Um, so I can see horror elements, but really I wouldn't yeah. call this a horror. Any, you know, it's, it's definitely more sci-fi. Yeah. And... And it's funny you bring that up because body horror is the thing that they always associate with with Cronenberg. And I actually feel like he jumps into the body horror thing hard um, after this movie. And surely there are some elements here, but I don't think it it leans on it as as much as the follow-ups do, which is Videodrome and then The Fly, uh, eventually Naked Lunch. Um, But I think this movie is not really incredibly similar to a lot of other David Cronenberg stuff. In fact, I think it... It's probably the lightest on his style of any of those of the era. Not, I've not seen The Brood, but I have seen Shivers. Um, and I think I've seen Rabid as well, uh, some of his earlier work. And and certainly those are lower budget, kind of smaller uh, scale movies. But there is certainly, and, and again, I, I, I always question myself am i reflecting now that i've you know read the wikipedia page about how how this was made and kind of the problems he had you know getting getting scanners made am i reflecting that back onto the movie and and, and i probably am a little bit but i do see like that that this was a very like controlled product in a way like they you know had a certain amount of budget they were working with the canadian government you know through their foot to get their funding and such and it's just a very different kind of movie i feel like after seeing a lot of other cronenberg stuff yeah um yeah, so it's just like, and it's also very different from like what other low budget horror movie and sci-fi, you know, exploitation kind of movie people were doing at the time. It's very, um, I don't know, kind of talky, almost stagey at times. But there's there's a ton of exposition scenes in this. Yeah, there's a lot of just sit down. We're gonna tell you everything. Luckily, it it skates by with that because. The story they're telling you is really good, in my opinion. It, it I really enjoyed the story of this. Like, the, the reveals, yeah, they're all kind of told through sit-down chats. Yeah. Um, well, but, the, I, I would say the entire story, I mean, is told that way. Sans a couple of... There's a couple of things that get you out and get moving around. Like, there's some foot... There's a couple of foot chases. There is a car chase scene in the movie. Um... But generally, most of the scenes and the things where anything of substance happens are, are kind of smaller, you know, couple of characters in a room having a conversation type scenes, which is not bad necessarily. It's just different. Yeah. Um, I, I was I was curious, like, why do you think this was such a big this is a major breakthrough for David Cronenberg? Because, like I said, it led to like the next three or four of his films are like big budget things. I think he went on to do Videodrome. Then the fly, then the dead zone, which is a Stephen King adaptation. Um, like, what? What do you think it was about Scanners that was like the big breakout for him? Um, I I think it, it's a, it's a well made film. I think is is part of it is it it's taking something that's a really bizarre topic, you know, like people with these weird psychic abilities, and you can't show the psychic ability as we just kind of commented on you can't really show yeah. psychic abilities that well like your telekinesis tele telepathy uh that well in in something like this um 
since then other films have found more interesting and maybe better ways of doing it but at the time this is what they were using um it's well paced though it's never boring there are no, down there are down parts but the story is good enough to keep you interested and then he does the cronenberg thing which is every now and then throw in these really fucking graphic scenes that <laughs> yeah. just shock the hell out of you even if the the effects are a bit dated it's like wow they went there all of a sudden and then it's a couple you know 30 minutes of not and then all of a sudden here's another really cringy gross scene thrown at you and i mean cringy like you literally are cringing in yeah horror <laughs> um yeah, it's... so I think that's why it's it's kind of become a cultural phenomenon. I, honestly, that the head exploding scene is iconic, and I think it's because it is. nothing Absolutely. had been done like that prior to this. Yeah, yeah the 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 head exploding and then the the climactic um, final battle between Revic and uh, and Vale. Yeah, in in the in Revic's office, I guess is what you would call it. Um, but yeah, a lot of. Uh, kind of cool and disturbing special effects. And it certainly those, those moments fringe into what you might call body horror, especially the latter one, the, the climactic battle between the two of them, because they're literally just kind of manipulating each other's bodies <laughs> in a lot yeah. of ways. So, um, yeah, including, of... you know, the, the way that Vale wins the fight, is <laughs> like the biggest. Yeah. Yeah. He, I, that's, that was one that I had to kind of, my wife and I are both watching it. She's like, okay, am I understanding? Because the ending's kind of weird. It is, yeah. And it's it seems very, like, sudden. Like, Yeah, yeah it's, it's very abrupt. And I guess spoiler alerts, I mean, we usually spoil things, but just in case anybody, you know, out there is, yeah. go watch the movie <laughs> now and then come back and join us. But, uh, but yeah, like, it's this... The, they have a scan-off. <laughs> yeah. A, sta- a staring <laughs> scan- competition. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, the, the body horror stuff with, like, all these... And this was 1981, right? This is a great time yeah. for special effects where there's... People are learning about using bladders and stuff like that. And you've got pulsating yeah, veins and... Dick and Smith did the, the effects for this movie, by the way. Yes. Yeah. And if, if you're not familiar with Dick Smith... Um, if you know other special effects people like Tom Savini and Howard Berger and Greg Nicotero and so on... Um, it, they would have said that Dick Smith was their inspiration. Probably. Yeah. Because he preceded them and was excellent. Um or like Rob O'Teen and stuff like that. Because this is this is around the time that we're starting to see more and more of these uh, like bladders used in special effects. Like I think American War in London, the howling and this, you've got you know, a patch over someone's face covered in makeup and it's pulsing and swelling. Um it's an incredibly effective uh, device to use yeah. for these kinds of shots. Something that, that isn't it, it hasn't continued, unfortunately. But um, yeah, yeah, Dick and, Smith and... is the makeup artist who worked on like The Exorcist, Amadeus, The Godfather, and so on. Yeah, a lot like, of the guys big known budget for this stuff. Yeah. So yeah, he worked was, with he was Carpenter and Starman. Apparently, I'm just learning mm-hmm. that now from the. But but yeah, no, he he was like one of like the guys before you know you're the names that you just mentioned that one of the people that they would have looked up to growing up or as their careers were just getting started um but yeah so did the uh 
remake of House on Haunted Hill by William Malone that we talked about at one point. But oh <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. So yeah, he's active from everywhere from the late '60s all the way till the late '90s. So, um, but yeah, the scene you're talking about with the um, the way that the like blood vessels in their body were kind of like expanding and exploding has always been kind of you know disturbing <laughs> to me for sure um, oh yeah yeah and then you know veil like combusting and all of a sudden yeah, um yeah it, it's it starts out really interesting too like the the beginning the opening scene really with with veil is it, it really grabs you um yeah so i i think this cronenberg we, we've reviewed a couple of his films on here and hopefully more in the in the coming future um it is really like a master like you know we talked about masters of horror well yeah he's done some of those too um mm-hmm. you know he's he's really incredible and i think this is a, a good example of like his earliest work or his earlier work um because it all of us so even if like i recently rewatched eastern promises yeah which is another cronenberg film and yeah you can still feel it a cronenberg film and it's neat to see that th- that started so early on in in his filmography yeah i mean he's certainly got a style and i actually feel like it and and you're obviously getting the opposite of, out of it than i am but i actually feel like this is one of his earlier films that i feel like is it's not that it lacks his style. It, it certainly is there, but I feel like it's kind of the lightest stylistically. Oh yeah, um, it's subtle, but, but it's there. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I don't know. I think it's just such an interesting movie um, for a lot of reasons, but it's also like not a perfect movie for some of those same reasons. And that it's it is for what it is, um, kind of slow paced. It's kind of, like I mentioned before, kind of stagey. Um, I literally think you could put scanners on the stage if you did, if you worked from this script, <laughs> you could yeah. uh, possibly produce it as a live theater show. Um, the cast is iffy. It's got a it's got a as we were saying, and I don't want to beat up on Stephen Lack too much, but a weak lead. I feel like um, Ironside steals the show. Patrick McGowan is fine in places, but I feel like I mean this is. But for those of you who aren't familiar with who he is, uh, most famously played, uh, you know, number six on the British uh, spy show, The Prisoner. Um, and he uh, is an actor that, like, just from, from being familiar with that show and enjoying that show, I uh, wanted more from him, I think, that we got here. And even in the scenes he's in, I feel a little like, you know, he's fine, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just and the the thing with me is it's got a, such a com- compelling premise, and as it's it's set up as a mystery rather than you're not given all the information at once. You're kind of you know, it's a mystery, and and as Vale finds out more about like the resistance and who Revic is, and um, kind of they kind of put him in an undercover role, and we kind of learn more about the situation and what's uh, really going on behind the scenes. It finds out that, you know, this doctor, Dr. Ruth, who is, uh, by the way, every time I hear that, I think of Dr. Ruth, like the little old lady sex therapist from, you know, that had the show, radio Just show. Just go with it. it. It does improve like... the film if you go with that. Every <laughs> so... time they say Dr. Ruth, and she's just like, oh, you have to love the penis. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, you could put her in there instead of Patrick McGowan, and maybe it would have improved things. But, um, 
but yeah, that he's actually, you know, kind of the mastermind of scanners and he's, he's behind it. And, but I think when it be, starts to become a, well, he was working on, you know, a fertility drug and the fertility drug had side effects of creating, you know, psychic children. And for me, like, it all sounds like it, it's like, okay, like this is actually kind of a believable, you know, to a certain extent plot, but I think I was, and maybe it's because I thought Scanners when I was younger, like I thought Scanners was something that had to do with like science fiction or something, aliens or interdimensional or whatever. thought that was involved with it somehow. Turns out I was totally wrong about that. But um, being that it was just kind of like a, a failed drug trials or, you know, and kind of mad doctor thing, I feel like was not quite the satisfying um, reveal to this whole mystery. Um, that perhaps it could have been, I don't know, just like not delivering on its, uh, its premise as, as much to me, but it does, I guess it gets a few points for being, you know, somewhat, like I said, believable set in kind of the real world a little bit. But yeah. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about it? <laughs> I, I think the, the premise of this one and the way that it's revealed again, it's, it, it it's never boring, but it is a bit of a slow burn. Um, I, I think it's good enough where, it, at least for me, in this most recent viewing, I was able to kind of see through some of the awkward performances, uh, mm-hmm. which which isn't, like, across the board. It's spotty. I'd say yeah, overall yeah, the performances some are pretty good. Um, but... Uh, I mean, Ironside's yeah. a show-stealer in it. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. But overall, I, I think it's... I can see why it's uh, a cult classic and it's not just for the, the head explosion effect, which I guess has an interesting story behind it too. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually on my list of things to talk about and we can, you know, yeah, we can um, go on a tangent and do that. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I think overall it's, I think that the story makes up for a lot of the, uh, a, a lot of the, the missteps of yeah. which there, there are a number. And I, I had some issues. It's like, I don't know that those are my things with it. And I think I, I kind of felt like this the first time. And I, I thought this was a movie I might've warmed to a bit. And it's it certainly, I don't, I don't, there's a lot to like about this movie. I don't, I don't hate it or dislike it entirely, but I just found a few things like a little disconcerting. It also like the, the, I don't know if like info dump moments, but a lot of the exposition of the movie is given to you through like, you know, conversations and, and such. And that there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. Uh, but there's a couple of really weird moments, like the scene where Patrick McGowan as Dr. Ruth is talking to himself about like the right project. Yes. And some like, <laughs> it's like, that is the weirdest way I've ever seen anyone drop in some exposition. And then I start reading about how this movie was made. I'm like, I wonder if they had to like, just be like, Oh shit, we never connected the dots on this thing. And Cronenberg's, you know, admittedly just like writing pages out and like throwing them in, you know, into the script as they're making this thing. I'm like, I wonder if that just was out of necessity. Cause it's just such a weird scene. It, like, it is why, a weird why? scene <laughs> because at first I was like, okay, so does this mean he's a scanner? <laughs> and then yeah. it's like no but okay so we're just doing a monologue okay but i can't tell if it's a monologue or if he has some abilities too and yeah, i don't think that, that was I intentional either, but it just seemed like he was talking to himself at the end of the day because they didn't do anything else in the movie that made you think he was a scanner um you know he ends up being the father of the two you know um main characters in the film 
And I never got 100% of they because he was infertility and stuff that they literally meant genetic father or whether he was, you know, if they had been kind of created by him in a mad doctor Frankenstein sort of way. Um, but, yeah, I, I never got that he was a scanner from any other moment. So it, it doesn't make sense to me that he's not just talking to himself about, like, oh, this thing in the past. Like, so get some information out, which is just really highly awkward. And I don't know. Yeah, the, not the, my favorite moment. The, the way I took it, and, and I could be wrong on this, but the way I took it was that they were like biological children from the same right. mother, yeah. and they were the first ones given this experimental drug that yes. turned them into scanners, and that's why they were older than all the others. The other scanners, that's why they were more powerful than all the other scanners. Yeah. Um, because yeah, like, I definitely the the latter points yeah. for sure definitely were. Yeah, they were both. They were definitely like the experimental, like first scanners, and like yeah. So I think that's. But it was it's but a yeah, cool so concept, and and I it I is. can see how this did spawn sequels, and I know there's been discussion about rebooting it or uh, like a TV series, and they just never manifested. But I can totally see how there was. There's been some it. talk of a TV series, even as recently as like you know, the streaming networks and stuff, being interested in it. So, I wouldn't yeah. doubt if we see, you know, if we do see in the future this, because as a TV series, I think this could, especially like, you know, nowadays you're like kind of standard um, broadcast standard has come down a little bit to like being like a you know a ten to thirteen episode kind of arc, or even now to, now on a couple of the services as small as like an eight to ten episode arc. I think you could do like a cool, you know, with just even the ideas in this first film, um, you could write this out to a, you know, eight episode arc and, and do a lot of cool oh, things yeah. with it. I think totally. it would uh, really make a cool series. In fact, it would, I, I think they could do a much better job than he, you know, Cronenberg was able to do, you know, with the tools he was given at the time. Well, and, um, and especially with the, the, the continued interest in, you know, the, the superhero genre, um, mm-hmm. this, this is fringe to that easily oh um, yeah you know yeah. It, it, it you it has potential for that kind of a cell not necessarily telling the story in that way but for that kind of a cell you could sell yeah. this as well, a, a superhero film it's got that kind of x-men-esque like they're you know all these characters with these special abilities are kind of have to be in hiding or at least feel are are in hiding and um yeah you could you could definitely go down that route with it as well and, yeah uh, but uh, and I haven't yeah, seen so, any of the sequels, but and there are yeah, a couple actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there are four sequels, I believe. Two Scanners, two Scanners, three. Then there's a spinoff series called Scanner Cop mm-hmm. and Scanner Cop Two, which was also rebranded on video as Scanners: The Showdown. Um. Yeah, so four more scanner films, a total of five. I've only I've only ever seen the first. I I say that I do remember seeing when I was younger on like Sci-Fi Channel or I don't know something on cable. One of these sequels, I have no idea which one it was. I think it was one of the Scanner Cop movies. Um, but I at least caught like the last half of it, and I didn't really have context for it. But I just remember, you know, the, the whole concept of scanners. And I'm wondering if that's where I got some of my ideas of what this movie was going to be about from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe it just wasn't the same, you know, thing. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway. But yeah, yeah. Like, I guess. We'll... Sorry, go ahead. 
No, I was like the the um. I want to talk a little bit about the effects in this. Yeah, that's I mean, what we, I was just we, gonna say. Let's get to the. Yeah, we we, we <laughs> talked stuff. a little bit about them. The the this famous head explosion effect. Apparently, yes. they had some problems with it. They kept trying using different <laughs> explosives, and they couldn't get. That. So so Any I guess to work. set everybody up, you you've got a scene in this where a scanner. This this guy is doing a like demonstration at a lecture series kind of a thing. Um, yeah. And so there's a whole bunch of people in the audience, and he asks for a volunteer, and a guy volunteers, and it happens to be our villain Michael Ironsides or Reddick. Yeah. Um, so he's going to scan a scanner, unbeknownst to him. And Reddick is incredibly powerful, as we mentioned, so he instead causes the other scanner's head to explode. But the, the scene itself is pretty amusing because you've mm-hmm. got two guys sitting next to each other on a stage just, like, grimacing and <laughs> gyrating. And Sarah and I were laughing about it. It's like, one of these guys looks like he's getting a hand job from a nice soft hand. The other one looks like he's getting a hand job with an eagle talon. Yeah. <laughs> and if you rewatch it, because the... <laughs> The, this poor like, guy who's got just the like, sandpaper and who's got yeah, the exactly. <laughs> so and and then when his head explodes it's an incredibly effective scene of this yeah. head blowing up perhaps the best head explosion ever committed to film oh, there are I a think few so. a few competitors uh if you've seen tom savini's work in the movie maniac uh there's a good one in there but it's done exactly the same way so he took yeah. the dick smith method so which the Dick Smith method, by the way, I think you were going to get to. Yep. <laughs> go ahead. Oh, it's yeah. So you started telling the story. I was going to let you finish, oh, but they, uh, yeah. So he, Dick Smith, supposedly was having a lot of problems getting inside of like this uh, kind of plastic or foam skull head he had created, uh, getting every, the an explosive to actually blow up with enough like projection to make the scene, you know, to make it work on film. So he's got this uh, plastic, um, I'm sorry, I keep saying plastic, it's more more like a rubber, foam rubber skull he's created, and he's, you know, dialed it up, like, to look semi like the, the actor, uh, stuffed it full of... I, I, I've got here, it says, latex scraps. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> some wax, some bits of bobs and lots of stringy stuff that we thought would fly through the air. A little better and leftover burgers. Or leftover burger. Yeah, that was the bit that I that was funny. Um, but yeah, it. Uh, so it wasn't working. Like I, I, I imagine they shot it a few times just from the story I've read, and it just wasn't wasn't happening. And they tested it a few times. Um, so they decided that to get a real like explosion, they were gonna have a special effects guy. Um, lay behind the dummy that they had set up uh, with the fake head mounted and actually blow the head off of the dummy with a shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it works wonders. Like, that That just, uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, it kind of looks exactly, the cool thing about these special effects is it kind of looks exactly like what it is. And once they, you know, once I read about the process of like, oh, well, yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. It looks like somebody just blew the head off somebody with a shotgun. So Yeah, pretty much. But it's, um, yeah, very effective. And it's also shot in a really good way because, you know, think about how many movies you've seen where, you know, they, they have the actor and then they cut to the dummy that they're going to blow up or cut something off of or whatever. And it's such mm-hmm. a clear cut. 
This yeah. is done very tight where like you see the guy grimacing and then his head just explodes. And yeah. It's it's a very good edit. I feel like even though they're, you know, they're going back and forth and it's obvious that Rebic is taking you know, is is harming that like the guy's shocked this scanner is so powerful. Um he didn't expect this to happen and Rebic is obviously, you know, dominating this other scanner. I think the head exploding still comes as a huge shock in that scene. Um, I don't think anyone, especially the first timer, if you, you know, nowadays, so many people are familiar with this scene, it'd be hard to be as surprised, but can you imagine seeing this the first time around kind of deal where, um, I I think it's an incredibly shocking scene. I don't think anyone expected it to escalate to that point. You know, um, you, you think someone's going to pass out or, you know, whatever, but yeah, bam, (laughs) it's such, such a just graphically, um, such a brutal head explosion and uh yeah i think it's it's got my vote for probably the best ever i do think the maniac one which tom savini literally just did the same thing uh maybe as tribute to dick smith because i know he's a huge fan but um that's a pretty good one but this one is yeah maybe the best yeah i i would agree it's it's <laughs> it, you, you come for the psychics you stay for the head explosion it's yeah uh, it's yeah. and it's iconic it's become a gif and all that you know so Oh yeah, a gif. <laughs> I'm sorry, a gif. I don't want to get yelled at by the GIF Corporation. Um, oh yes, a gif. A, a gif. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not sure which one's actually correct. By the I, way, I'm not taking sides. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think this, like we said before, it's got, and and the, the head explosion is like some of the body horror that becomes iconic. Yeah. Later. In, well, in yeah, Robert's and then there's career. the later stuff you were talking about with like the the. Um, the body or the like blood vessels exploding and expanding. And I, I think that that image is also very, and that one I, you know, isn't as familiar. Like I, I hadn't seen that a hundred times before I had seen the movie. Yeah. Um. So that was a new one. The first time I watched it. And that's, that's certainly kind of disturbing. Cause uh, yeah, they like use the bladders and the arms to like, you know, these really like overinflated blood vessels. And then they start to like pop and squirt blood. And like, I don't know. It's just this really like, again, it, it's shocking because it's like, I don't think you, th- you kind of conceive of it going to that level. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like you just don't see like, Oh, those blood vessels, they really look like they're, you know, bulging and everything. I bet what's going to happen next is they're going to start just squirting blood out of random places. And it's, no, no one, no one saw that coming before they, <laughs> they saw yeah. it. It was uh yeah. 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 There's so. some pretty intense blood spray. <laughs> yeah. It, it does yeah. make you kind of wince. It's certainly not what you think of when you, you do a description of the scene with, you know, two telepaths face off in a room, you know, against one another and try to control the other. And, you know, it's spurting blood and fire and stuff like that is probably not where your brain goes. But that's what you get. So it's a good, nice surprise. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's something, again, that later on becomes kind of a, a characteristic thing in a lot of Cronenberg films is the, the the proper use of gore where yes. it's thrown at you in doses where you're never comfortable with it. It's, yeah, it's, well, and also the shocking nature of it. I think he uses yeah. the surprise element a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah, it definitely uh, holds up in, in that aspect. Um, so... There's uh, a... Yeah. Go, sorry, go ahead. 
another interesting scene in the movie, um, which you know nowadays might not play so well, but is a scene where one of the uh, Vale, the uh, the good guy scanner, is um, hacks into a computer yeah. using his his psychic powers via the telephone. So he's on a payphone and calls into the place where the computer is and is able through the phone wires to use his scanning abilities to hack into a computer it's you know being that this was made in 1980 or yeah made in 1980 released in 81 um i feel like that is maybe the earliest idea or the earliest i can remember seeing a computer hacking scene in a movie like oh, it's yeah. certainly um very I don't know if it's very well thought out or, or prophetic in any way, but like certainly it predicts kind of like the way that the internet eventually was going to work, like via phone lines and like um, actually being able to access a computer via the phone line. It's kind of, you know, I don't know, ahead of its time as a concept, but maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Like as I'm well, not a computer I... scientist in 1980, I'm not sure how many people like we're familiar with that as a concept, but well, I mean, we didn't uh, see a lot of movies. it in film, yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, I have this—I have the same thing in my notes. Just like I, I put here, we would not have the Matrix if it weren't for scanners, because yeah. that's really yeah, like the 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 way that they even at the time are showing like a connection through a circuit board and some of those shots um, mm-hmm. are just reminiscent of you know neo going through the binary code kind of thing it was you know through the matrix was reminiscent yeah yeah i thought it was an interesting concept in in 1980 for that to make it into here and i obviously david cronenberg is a guy that's uh from what i know about him which is not a ton but he certainly has a very cerebral um side of his movies his writing and his filmmaking is all very uh if you start to break it down it's it's he's a guy that's much smarter than you are at the end of the day i think is uh yeah <laughs> really where it goes but oh yeah um so but yeah just having that that kind of concept of hacking and 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 working through the phone lines and basically an internet connection in 1980 just seems it was just interesting to me because i don't recall any other movie even sci-fi or anything going into that um, in such a realistic way, I should say. I'm sure other movies kind of toyed with the idea, but yeah, I don't, I don't, and I, if anybody's listening, I, I'm happy to be corrected on this, but I don't recall anything prior to this that really does it in such a way. Um, you know, like linking up a, a psychic ability with computers and and, and so on uh, in this way. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it, it actually contributed to the story there's a lot of subplots going on in this mm-hmm. um but that one was kind of a cool one it, yeah it holds, we didn't up, even it really... holds up pretty well yeah um because of yeah because it you know and ended up kind of predicting or you know maybe they knew at the time in theory like that's the way that you eventually could connect computers together through a network but you know kind of connect predicts computer technology the decade ahead of its time so that's cool yeah. Um, yeah, we haven't mentioned a whole lot about the uh, subplot of like the resistance and Kim Obrist, Jennifer O'Neill's character Kim Obrist in the movie, 
and kind of the the spy espionage element that you brought up oh, early yeah. on in the film with the you know uh, Vale going undercover to kind of infiltrate the resistance and find out a little more about them and you know a little more about trying to get get to Revic and um, it's they don't spend a ton of time on it I feel like that could have been more of the movie than than it is like because it's kind of the interesting part of the story yeah and they also they they discuss it in in the plot as if it's very very important but you're right you don't actually see much of it it's kind of just mentioned to show like oh this is an important thing but then you don't really get to spend a lot of time there and really learn much about it yeah, I mean, basically, you get the understanding, like, oh, there's um, good good scanners and there's bad scanners, and Revic is kind of the leader of the bad group, and uh, there's this other kind of resistance group of good guy scanners, and I feel like there is so much potential in that idea that they don't really do much with. Instead, we get this like you know two two guys battling in a room kind of right. <laughs> instead of. Um, and obviously, I, I think that that's to a lot of things. I mean, budget considerations, the timetable of making this movie, uh, you know, a director whose head is spinning around because he's the, the, the schedule and everything's just, you know, out of control and his script's not finished and this and that. Um, you know, I think you're, the product that you got is, is it's fine. It's a fine movie at the end of the day. Um, but there's so much potential. So it's not a shock to me at all that there are sequels to this because there's just so much going on yeah. uh, that, that is interesting that they do not do much with. And that's that's one of the aspects. I mean, I think you could you could pretty much make an entire like scanner war type situation at the climax of this film. Uh, but instead we get, you know, two dudes, which as much as it's fun as it is to watch, you know, Michael Ironside ham it up at, at just the doing the best yeah. that he can do. Grunt and stare um, at each other. <laughs> right but yeah i was gonna say this revic in this movie i think i like even more than his um which we 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 picked him out as the highlight of highlander 2 as well his his bad guy in that which i the name eludes me at the moment but um i think he's even better here like in a lot of ways oh yeah so, um yeah yeah and and the, the uh it, it's not i i just kind of wanted to point out a scene with him in it that's really really quite good is uh some like archival footage of him as a younger man in this uh like in his 20s being interrogated after he'd like self-mutilated himself with some you know because of his abilities he he couldn't handle the he called it the pressure of the people like the people inside his head Mm -hmm. um it's a really terrifying scene of just this mentally disturbed person and and he does a really really good job with with being very effective in that yeah yeah i mean i think that's gonna that's gonna be the repeated mantra of my take on this film is there's so many really cool ideas that i feel like they could have done a lot more with that you know and there's sequels i i've read you know i've not seen them and i've read they're of varying quality but um so yeah, like like we we get too often towards the end of the show. Would I like to see this thing, you know, rebooted or remade in some way? And I I say yeah, absolutely, because I feel like there's a lot of untapped potential here. Um, yeah, and that's that's obviously going off of my understanding that the sequels are not that great. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I think a reboot, 
you know, especially as a series, I think this is something you could really run with. I think it's uh plus it's got a name, you know, scanners yeah. is something people are familiar with. I think it's a, a great idea. Somebody should be doing it. They probably are. But, What's uh, funny is that we've reviewed this and transfers in a, you know, close chronological proximity to each other. And yeah, I, I used to early on kind of get them confused because it was like transfers, scanners, whatever. It's probably the same. No, very, very different. <laughs> yeah. Totally actually, different stories. Yeah. There's a third movie that's like a movie that was kind of on video store shelves, you know, for years in the 90s or something. But it was Screamers, but not the one we reviewed, but the one with um, the one that I always got. I got confused with Trancers at first is uh, I think Peter Weller's in it. Um, it's like an alien. Yeah, anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, so there was that Screamers movie, Scanners and Trancers. <laughs> and yeah, anyway. Yeah, but nobody confuses it with Tremors, so that's that's good. <laughs> no, that's good. Tremors yeah. kind of stands out on its own. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, this this one reviewing it again um, has sparked an interest, kind of like it did with Trancers, though. With like, mm-hmm. yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing the sequels though, even if they're bad. I kind of want to see where people went with this. Yeah, yeah, same here. Like, it, it's it's got so much going on that I feel like there's just. Almost an unlimited amount of stories you could tell. Yeah, it's ripe for mythology. Yeah, it's ripe yep. for mythology. It could it could work that way. So, um, yeah. so absolutely. Yeah. So any any final thoughts and grades? Yeah, I think we can head into that. No, I can start if you want. But it's uh, Scanners is a tough one for me because it's a movie I really really want to love, but I don't love as much as I want to. I think. Um, I don't know. It's compelling, but I think it falls a little flat, like as, as the mysteries are kind of revealed and, um, it just doesn't end up being as interesting as you think it might be at first when you're introduced to the scenarios. And I think that's kind of that untapped potential I, I, I see in what, you know, the story and what we're being introduced to. Um, I think the climax, although it has some excellent disturbing special effects is a little bit anticlimactic like i said we have this potential of all this like world building going on that ends up with two guys shaking at each other in a room um you know it's it is what it is and uh it's 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 fine and the special effects are the special effects are great um memorable performance by michael ironside is is definitely worth a watch all by itself um it's got a unique style, so it's it's a little bit refreshing because it's like a serious, like smart sci-fi movie. Um, it's not kind of the exploitation-y movie that I think it gets kind of billed as, and like a lot of people have kind of organized it in their memory as being one of those movies, and it's really not. It's really a little something a little different. Um, I don't know. When it comes down to it, I think I wanted to like it a lot more than I did the first time I saw it. And I was hoping it would get better on this rewatch, and it didn't really. I still think it's a it's a flawed uh, but watchable movie. And I think uh, if you're into you know especially David Cronenberg's films, but kind of cult films in general, you probably should see it just to get that box checked. But um, it's perhaps outside of its special effects, not essential viewing. Um, I think I'm going to go with a C plus on this one, which hurts me a little bit, but. I think it's honest. I think that's about where I feel like this one okay. lands. Um, I totally recognize the flaws in this one, but I, I really loved the story in it and the the basic concept of it. And that, that elevated a bit for me. I, I kind of liked that more that I was willing to overlook 
some of the other issues which are are present absolutely especially you know Stephen Lack's performance is is something that is a bit of a kick if they were to re- redo this which I think this is ripe for a reboot um, you need a strong lead though you need somebody yeah. you really want to get behind and this one's a little bit tough but I'm, I'm actually I'm going to be generous I'm going to give this one like a solid mid B um, okay. it, it's like to me at least it's something kind of iconic um but uh yeah it, it's warts and all it's not perfect absolutely but it, it it's got some really cool stuff in it so it, it's a very original concept that um you know think about how many movies today follow these types of themes and and really how many of them are emulating at least aspects of scanners uh would be a bit surprising so that's kind of where i'm mm-hmm. going with that but we would love to hear of any of our listeners' thoughts on Scanners or any of the sequels as well. Feel free to share those with us uh, at the Video Junkier Podcast uh, at gmail.com, which is a not don't the, but Video Junkier Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Video Junk Pod, Facebook, uh, Video Junkier Podcast Group, or the, our main page, and of course, uh, Instagram and Pinterest as well, I think. Yeah. Uh, please yeah. feel free to share any of those questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms with us. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Yeah, and coming up on the podcast, we got uh, next week we're going to take a look at the P.T. Anderson movie, Boogie Nights, which I think a lot of people are probably familiar with, but it's actually one of those movies I find that people are familiar with that often haven't seen when you bring it up. But um, yeah, so we're going to take a look at that one. It's a little different than what our kind of our general. <laughs> movies that we do here then um then i think joe's gonna be out for a couple weeks yeah digging digging out west and uh well uh ryan and i ryan's gonna come in and uh help me do the show for a couple of weeks so he's gonna pick out a couple bring along a couple of movies with him um so we'll see what those are but i know at least one of them that we're doing in there is i'm gonna make him watch beyond the black rainbow so that's nice, nice. <laughs> Absolutely. We hope you stay tuned. We hope you enjoyed the Video Junkyard podcast and also hope to see you share it around as well. Um, we thank you once again for listening. And until next time, I'm Joe Peterson. And I'm Eric Branson. All right. We're going to do it the scan away. I'm going to suck your brain dry. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but... I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go. Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening, and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard. <laughs>